I'm so honored to share from my heart about our Jesus and about what he has done for me. Please pray with me. Thank you that we get to come before you, our free and freeing God. I ask that you unlock the words within me that you would have me speak, and I yield to the infilling, life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, please bless each one here to receive from your heart our loving Father. Amen. So when Father Robert asked me to be one of the community voices and we chose this date, he gave me the list of the readings that were pre-planned for today from the liturgical calendar. Now, does anybody else have moments where things will line up just right in your life and it makes you say, Jesus loves me? Well, seeing Galatians 5 on that list made me say, Jesus loves me. You see, Galatians 5, and specifically Galatians 5.1, has been a key scripture in my life, and I would love to share why that is with a bit of my story today. So let's look at that first verse, Galatians 5.1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. A few weeks ago, I shared with a friend how excited I am about this verse. And they said, yeah, I don't really get it. What does that even mean? I'm so glad that we had that conversation because it made me realize that at face value, for freedom, Christ has set us free, can seem redundant. I mean, if Jesus through the sacrifice of his life, set us free. Of course he did that so we could be free. But that's what is so brilliant about this scripture and about the Apostle Paul's style of communication. It compels us to grapple with the meaning of that beautiful word, freedom. What is freedom? And why is it so important to the heart of God? Hopefully today we can go into that freedom deeper together. So now for the tough part, let's jump into a bit of my story. Everybody loves being vulnerable, right? Um, So by God's grace, I was born into a very loving, very Christian family. I had a deep sense of my true identity as a beloved child of God, from a young age, and this was modeled to me by my parents and by those around me. As I think back to those childhood years, there was another fundamental truth and piece of my identity other than this revelation of God's love for me, and that was that I lived as this little free spirit. I loved to go barefoot. I loved to dance and to sing, though I seriously cannot carry a tune. And I love to worship God with abandon. But as I got older, into my teen years, I started to hear the whispers of worldly freedom. And my parents' boundaries, which I correctly associated with God, God's boundaries, began to seem like a bunch of rules and regulations just meant to keep me from having fun. Sorry. My parents are here today. <laughs> And then college happened, and I was like a caged bird that was shot out of a cannon into a free bird playground. I don't have to go into details, 
but just know I entered a time of real rebellion. My brother, William, who many of you know, was at Auburn with me, and I know that I at least broke his heart and my parents' heart during that time, probably my other siblings as well. I can tell you that I believe freedom and truth are irrevocably linked. Jesus said in John 8, 32, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if freedom relies upon truth, we can also conclude that bondage relies upon deception. In college, I came into agreement with the father of lies and became quite good at deception, deceiving not only my loved ones, but even somehow deceiving myself. You see, I still had a prayer life and a walk with God, but I became an expert at rationalization. One way that I did this was by cherry-picking scripture. For instance, I would latch on to that first part of Galatians 5.1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And assign my own definition of freedom that felt good at the time, which is basically that freedom meant that you could live however you wanted to live. Well, clearly I was not looking to verse 16 in Galatians 5, which says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Also, I would just sort of throw the second part of verse 1 out the window. The part that says, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You see, that part of the scripture required a response from me. And I wasn't in a place in my life where I was ready to acknowledge the slavery that I was living in. Now, I want to pause from my story, for my sake, really more than anything, and further illustrate true freedom through the story of Jean Valjean from Victor Hugo's Les Miserables. I'm sure many of you are familiar with either the book, the musical, or both, but here's a quick recap. Jean Valjean was a Frenchman who was imprisoned in the late 1700s for stealing a loaf of bread for his family when they were starving. The prison conditions were terrible, and prisoners were forced into manual labor essentially living as slaves. In the musical version of the story, the opening scene shows Jean Valjean laboring with his fellow prisoners. The jailer, Javert, approaches Valjean and tells him that his prison time is up. When Valjean remarks, I'm free, Javert quickly retorts, no, and explains that Valjean will forever be on parole and will be forced to carry and show his papers that brand him as a violent thief. Valjean remarks that he has been a slave of the law. You see, Jean Valjean knew he was not free in prison, but assumed that once he was out in the world, he would have that freedom that he so longed for. However, he quickly realized that his hopes of making a life for himself were dashed by the constant accusation of the law against him, as shown in those papers he was forced to carry, making him an outcast. Broken and in despair, Valjean stumbles upon a church, and to his dismay, the bishop welcomes him in and treats him as an honored guest, giving him food 
and a comfortable bed. But when the household sleeps, Valjean acts upon the identity that's been assigned to him by the law. Thief. And steals several pieces of silver. You see, though Valjean no longer wore shackles, he was still in bondage, bound by the accusation upon his life. But buckle up, because here's where the story gets really good. Policemen quickly catch Jean Valjean as he flees with his sack full of the bishop's silver and return him to the bishop's house to face the music. They explain to the bishop that Valjean claimed that the silver was a present, but guess what the bishop does? Does anybody know? He goes along with Valjean's story. And not only that, he proceeds to say to Valjean that he left the best part of the gift and hands over two very valuable silver candlesticks to the befuddled thief. This act of lavish, undeserved love broke bondage from Jean Valjean, who goes on to create a new identity as an honorable man and a leader, one who lives in service to God and to his fellow man. You see, this is what God did for us. He didn't leave us under the lordship of the law, which, though good, enables the enemy to heap accusations upon us as we always fall short. But in his great love, he made a way of real escape from the cycle of bondage, sending Jesus to pay for our sins on the cross. Not only that, but also giving us the Holy Spirit who guides us into deeper and deeper freedom. And that's what happened to me. After college, I spent a few months in New York City doing an internship where I was faced with the dark loneliness of the world. I realized that I needed something real and true. I needed a firm foundation, and though I had my parents' firm foundation, I needed to learn what was really mine. I needed to own it. So I went to a very small discipleship school in the middle of nowhere, Alabama, called Legacy. Love to talk to anybody about that if you have questions. Jesus met me there. In the midst of the disgusting revelation of who I had become, he saved me. He told me I was lovely and that I was his beloved. He saw me pure. His blood covered all. He gently led me until I could believe that these things that he said about me were actually true. Not the accusations that were brought against me from my past of living outside of the law. He set me free. Free from my flesh, free from shame, true freedom. I had embraced the counterfeit freedom of the world. But once I tasted this freedom that Christ set us free for, I haven't looked back, and I don't mean I'm perfect. I just mean I'm in love with Jesus. I'm sorry, I'm pregnant, so I'm going to blame it on the pregnancy hormones, but talk about Jesus and I cry. I'm captivated by the lover of my soul, and when you love and you know you're loved in return, the natural overflow of relationship is right living. And I'm not talking about sloppy grace either. Please don't hear me say that. 
It's just that Jesus longs to set us free, truly free. That's why he went to the cross. And here's the most astonishing part. We don't have to, nor can we, do anything to earn it. There is, however, a response that's necessary to allow this gift of freedom to do its work in our life. First of all, you do have to receive it and allow it to transform you. What good is a gift if you refuse to accept it? As Jean Valjean experienced mercy and allowed that act to change him, we too must accept the mercy afforded by Jesus' sacrifice and allow it to free us and make us into a new creation. And second, once you allow the power of God's love and mercy to set you free, stand firm in that freedom. The world won't just stop whispering, and neither will the law. For me, once I was free from my rebellion, it was easier to leave that counterfeit freedom behind than it was to stop returning to the rule of the law to try and earn God's favor. You see, the bondage of the law is more subtle than the bondage of the world because the law is not bad. It was established by God to keep us until Jesus came. But aren't we grateful to live on this side of the cross? Where the law works from the outside in, Jesus works. His work of freedom is from the inside out. But as humans, we sometimes like to make it a little harder on ourselves. We are made to want to work and to earn, and the law shows us how to try to do that. But there is a better way. Allow the freedom of Jesus to lead you into a life of the Spirit. Then the beauty and the truth of the law gets etched on our hearts, and the striving to do what is right is replaced with the overflow of a living, loving relationship with God. And what does this life of freedom or life in the Spirit look like? It's good, and it's fun. Just look at Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. My prayer is that we can all enter deeper and deeper into this amazing, true freedom. It's the reason Jesus went to the cross. I'm going to pray for us, please, to close. Jesus, thank you for setting us free. God, I pray that you would just illuminate every area in our hearts that needs yet more, yet a further touch, a deeper move of your freedom. We love you, Lord. Amen.